0: On today's Padone, my take, we reminisce. Another Cleveland Cavaliers season has come and gone. We're going to answer some big time questions on the show today. The Indians, they're still up and down. They're three games back from first place with the Chicago White Sox still 3 games though above 500 that's the important part 4 games above 500 after last night we're going to get into some Cleveland Browns betting odds before we get into our plays of the week as always presented by bigplay.com bigplay is our generous hosts of Padome My Take as you can see I am not in the bigplay studio tonight in a makeshift studio but that's okay but first we need to talk about The Big Play Store. The Big Play Store is your one-stop shop for all your Cleveland apparel needs. Progressive Field, First Energy Field. They're gonna be open, 100% capacity. Optional masks, you know what you need to do, folks. Visit store.bigplay.com to pick up some brand new Cleveland merch today. Browse all the awesome shirt designs and more at store.bigplay.com. While you're there, use promo code PADONE. You're going to save yourself 15% on your entire purchase. That's my last name, PADONE, at store.bigplay.com with the Big Play Store. Without further ado... Let's do it. We're live from the Nick Cave on bigplay.com, on Periscope, on Facebook, on YouTube, and of course, on Big Play. Guys, I'm not in my normal setup. As you can see here in a little bit of a different studio, big play studio, out of commission for me tonight. We're coming to you live from the Nick Padone cave, but that's okay. The show must go on. Technical difficulties, what are those in 2021? I got a packed show for you tonight. And I think we need to start right at the top because the Cleveland Cavaliers season has come and gone. It was a dreadful season. And that's what I want to open up the show about. You know, the last month, two months that I've done the show, really ever since Brown season stopped, the the news really didn't. We went from JJ Watt watch to Javion Clowney, you know, really into free agency and all that madness and trades, were they gonna do something Aaron Rodgers wanted out of Green Bay? All these things related to the Browns, and I haven't had an opportunity to talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Really, during the season, there wasn't much to talk about. It was a down year for the team, and you don't need me to tell you that. The Cavs season, though, is done. Hallelujah. The question that I'm posing to you all tonight, drop a comment live. We could pin the comments live on BigPlay.com. Put your comments right up on the screen here. Do you consider this Cleveland Brown this? Cleveland Cavaliers season to be a success yes or no was the season a success and I know what you're probably thinking you're probably like Nick what the hell do you mean was this Cleveland Cavaliers season a success they they fell tremendously short of expectations they finished the season 22 and 50 they finished the year winning just one of their last 10 basketball games finished 11 games back from the play-in tournament they were in the NBA lottery for the third straight year with decent odds at the number one pick and almost surefire odds at a top five pick. What do you mean was this season a success? This was horrible, it was painful to watch. There were some things that went right for the Cavs this year. And I'm not doing this show and this segment today to prop up the Cavs because really watching them this year broke my heart. It did. But here's where I'm at. It depends on what you consider success. We saw Colin Sexton take strides in his development, not only as a scorer, because we knew he could score, but also as a playmaker. We saw Darius Garland really grow into why Darius Garland was the fifth overall pick. After the All-Star break, we saw Isaac Okoro impress. We saw the team make a trade and acquire Jared Allen at the trade deadline in the James Harden blockbuster. We saw the Cavs be aggressive. And I think at this juncture in the rebuild, I don't know how much more you could ask from the Cavs. We have, a, we have a couple comments rolling in already. Ed in Columbus comments, tweets the show. Call me crazy, but I want to hire another Michigan coach, Jawan Howard, but he has a good thing going. Hire Ed Stefanski to be the team president. Yes, Kevin's father. And, and Ed, that's a good point because I went on this rant a few weeks ago when people called me crazy. When I said the, the Cavs throughout my entire life from 1998 to now – they have not had an identity as an organization, as a team, as a fan base. Our organization has always been we have LeBron or we're going to try tremendously hard to get LeBron back. And if either of those things fall short, it's in the lottery and we're, we're praying for ping pong balls. Whereas the Cleveland Browns wandered through the desert for 20 years, the Cleveland Indians were horrible since their World Series appearances in the 90s and complete culture change. The Indians hire Terry Francona, call up Frankie Lindor, Francisco, pardon me. Make it to the 2016 World Series against all odds. Nobody expected that. Come one game, one inning shy, one rain delay shy. The Cleveland Browns, 1-31. had a, Still retained Hugh Jackson. Then went ahead and hired Freddie Kitchens, which was a mess. Turn around, okay. Divisional round of the playoffs. This year looking for more. It seems like these two organizations that we have in town... The recipe for success is right there. And to Ed and Columbus's point, what did Kevin Stefanski do? What did Andrew Barry do? They established a culture. And I was a part of the, the masses of people that, that were making fun of Jimmy Haslam of J.W. Johnson of Paul D. Podesta for constantly throwing the alignment buzzword down our throats. I was quite frankly sick of it. Alignment, alignment. Well, that just means we're going back to analytics. We're going to trade away draft picks and we're going to be really bad again. That's what I thought alignment was in the city of Cleveland. Call me crazy, but the Cleveland Cavaliers, the one thing that they need more than anything right now is alignment. And say what you want about Kobe Altman. Say what you want about the draft picks. And and we're going to get into that in this first segment. But the Cavs are struggling right now. They found key growth. Sexton improved. Garland improved. Okoro improved throughout the season. Jared Allen, you were right there along with the way, part of the young core now. You also found some clarity along the way, did the Cleveland Cavaliers. You found out that Kevin Love is not good. He's a shell of his former self, and you're really not going to be able, at least in my opinion, to see the bigger picture until Kevin Love is off this basketball team. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes in sports, mistakes happen. This one just has to be a colossal one and one that the Cleveland Cavaliers will have to find a way to recover from, whether it's through a trade, whether it's through a contract buyout, whatever that might be. That's an issue. You also found out that the Andre Drummond experiment didn't work, and you were, able to, you were able to at least move on and clean your hands from that. You also found out one very important thing, and this is what I hope Cavs fans might be able to walk away from tonight's show remembering, thinking as we progress through this Cavs offseason into the draft lottery with the ping pong balls and ultimately into the NBA draft. The Cavs learned one thing this year, in my opinion. And that's that you're probably going to be in the NBA draft lottery again next year. There's just no beating around the bush. Even if the Cavs get the number one overall pick and draft Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma State, would be an instant fit. Play small forward, could score the basketball, would be a good you know, component with the Sexland backcourt with Jared Allen up front. Hell, could pro- probably even play with Kevin Love. But here's the thing. Does Cade Cunningham move the needle enough for a team that missed the play-in tournament by 11 spots? Am I crazy? Tweet the show at take. Tweet me at NickPadone12. As always, just drop a live comment. I don't know. I don't know that one Cade Cunningham, one Jonathan Kaminga. one Jalen Green... Changes the direction of this organization all that much. And to me, that's why, that's what I found out this year. I found out that it's more than likely that the Cavs will end up in the lottery again. I'm saying that they're going to be there. And I hate that. You guys heard me go on the rant, the little bit that I talked about Cavs this season was during the regular season when things weren't going right and I was throwing a fit and I said, I don't want to play for ping pong balls. I want to win some basketball games. I want to get these guys some good quality rhythm together, whether it be play and tournament, which I, we'll talk play and tournament at the end of the show in our plays of the week segment. I really thought, and I really hoped maybe against my better judgment that this team was going to do better things this year. That, that Isaac Okoro could fix the defense. That Kevin Love could come back and be, you know, just a double double a night. And none of those things held true. And that's okay. But what I learned is that it's hard to do this in the NBA. And you could look around, the, the proof is in the pudding. Zion Williamson and the New Orleans Pelicans. Where are they? They're not in the playoffs. That's who we all wanted. We all wanted Zion. How about John Morant, the number two pick from that draft? Where are they? Right? They're in the play-in tournament tonight. They're going to try to battle in. If they lose, they're out. It's so hard to do this. The number one pick this year, Anthony Edwards, had an outstanding rookie season. Where are they? Right back in the lottery with us. You see what I'm hinting at here. You see what I'm saying. It's much more likely. How about I pose the question to this and feel free to drop a comment. We'll pin the best comments up on the screen like we did for Ed and Columbus. Do you think the Cavs have better chances next season at making the play in tournament at a nine seed or a 10 seed? Or are you like me and think they'll be back in the NBA draft lottery? And I don't think there's anything wrong with doing it this way because, We've seen progress. And and I know the first question that we put out there is, was this Cavs season a success? No, it wasn't. It wasn't a success. When you lose that many games and all the drama that ensued throughout the season, I cannot sit here seriously and crack this mic and be 100% honest and say that I truly believe in my heart of hearts that this season was a success. I just can't do that. However, what I can do is sit here and say that I did see growth. I did see three to four young players that could be building blocks moving forward. And are they starters? Maybe. Are they the guys that turn your franchise around single-handedly? Probably not. We're still looking for that guy, and that's what sucks about this whole process. But what I'm saying is there was growth along the way. There was improvement along the way. So for me to get all wild and crazy about the Cavs as I look back right now, I just don't know that I could do that because things went the right way. It takes being in the lottery for years before you see a finished result. Uh, you know, it, it's such an annoying analogy to make because they're so hated in this town, especially because after what they did, once they built their team was unethical, and that's the Golden State Warriors. You know, you, you draft Steph Curry, you draft Klay Thompson. You find Draymond Green as a second-round steal. You fire your head coach and hire Steve Kerr out of the broadcast booth, Then good things slowly start to happen. And, and you know, it all gets modified, and, and in my opinion, that great team building and drafting and just de- player development all gets a light shun on it, despite winning all the championships because they ultimately landed Kevin Durant, who they, you know, it doesn't matter, Not, neither here or there, that he joined the team and probably shouldn't have ruined the Cavs dynasty. Who, who's to say the Cavs can't do that? How about what's going on in places like Utah, and places like Denver? You know, Donovan Mitchell, eighth overall pick. Colin Sexton, at just 22 years old, is on pace with Donovan Mitchell when he was 22 years old. Rudy Gobert, you know, that's a guy that they drafted in development. Neither of those guys were NBA playoff ready. They were just young, exciting players at the time. Jamal Murray, same thing. I just think that as, as brutal as it is to say, we're only, and again, only five years removed from the championship this June and we, we had to know at some point that that this was going to happen. The Cavs pushed all their chips in the center of the table. They traded away every draft pick. They continually flipped their roster for new veterans because they went all in at a title every single year. They made it to four consecutive NBA finals. And I and personally I would not trade that for the world because that you know June 17th, the 16th, the night of 17th, that will live on in infinity in Cleveland history. It's just, I I hear the fans that are impatient. I hear the fans that are annoyed. The Cavs are not a hot ticket in town. I know people are canceling Cavs season ticket memberships left and right. And maybe you get Cade Cunningham and maybe that attracts some more people to Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. But does that change the trajectory of this franchise all that much? The answer there is probably no, which leads us to our Twitter poll. And I thought this was interesting because as i don't even want to say optimistic as understanding as i am of where the cavs are at right now i have to propose this twitter poll and we're not going to take a break we're going to push right through and talk about this twitter poll as if you were dan gilbert if you were running the cleveland cavaliers as a professional sports organization in cleveland ohio fresh off the heels of four straight nba finals Maybe the honeymoon phase of that is starting to sneak away. You hear idiot sports podcasters and radio hosts and beat writers and everybody in between crapping on your organization. That's what you got to deal with as the owner. What do you do with Kobe Altman? If you were Dan Gilbert, if you were running the Cavs, what would you do with Kobe Altman? Tweet the show at Take. Go vote on Twitter at PadoneMyTake. And as always, tweet me at NickPadone12. You can also drop a live comment right here on the screen. Guys, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I, I... Went back and forth on this in my head all day long because Kobe Altman had a tough job. You could, there's the what's the saying in life where it's you could only play the cards that you're dealt in this world, in this lifetime, whatever situation that you get put into, the only thing that you could do is make the best of it. And Kobe Altman hasn't he kind of done that, but. Let's just make like a pros and cons list. That's what they say to do when you're supposed to make any hard, hard, difficult decision. In my opinion, Kobe Altman drafted well. Say what you want about the players. Colin Sexton in 2018. What else were you going to do? Shy Gilligas Alexander publicly stated that he did not want to play for the Cleveland Cavaliers. That was not going to be the pick. The Cavs were all in on Colin. Okay. Colin in 2018. No one past that, like, blows my socks off from 2018 till now. Darius Garland, you could say the same thing. Again, odds weren't in your favor. You were hoping for the number one pick in Zion. You were hoping in the number two pick in Ja. You get number five, Darius Garland, who had a really impressive sophomore season this year. Even though it didn't turn into immediate success on the basketball court, he showed improvement, handling the ball, passing the ball, scoring the ball, really in all facets of of the game. So, two for two is Kobe Altman. Let's go three for three, Isaac Okoro. Who else were the Cavs supposed to take? You know, Denny VHAD? That was the rumor that the Cavs liked Denny. They worked him out a bunch. They needed defense. They drafted Okoro, and Okoro gave him defense. I don't know who you were supposed to take after Isaac Okoro in this situation where you already have players in place. So for me, when I look and I break down what would I do with Kobe Altman if I was the Cavs owner, tweet the show at Padome My Take, go vote on Padome Might Take, drop a live comment, and I'll pin it up on the screen – What do you do? Because you got that in the pros column, and that's impressive. An impressive draft track record is what you want. Now, I can't hold it against him that he was unlucky and that he couldn't get Zion and that he couldn't have got Ja, and maybe could you have made some calls and made some trades and packaged a Tristan Thompson and a Kevin Love or in a future pick or whatever to move up a few slots for a guy that might really be a game changer, maybe, but that's all hypotheticals and none of that has even been reported as a possibility, so we can't even really consider or evaluate that also let's throw this in kobe altman's you know pro side is he got jared allen for basically nothing at the trade deadline in a huge blockbuster trade that the Cavs generally had nothing to do with what more do you want so then that those are the pros but then i but then i go like this okay well let's talk about the cons what did kobe altman screw up this season, because he was not without flaw, and you don't need me to tell you that. And the list here is not attractive. He drafted Dylan Windler with a first-round pick, and and I know that at the end of that first round, really the NBA draft is a total—it's just a complete crapshoot. You don't know who's going to be good. You're you're taking a shot in the dark at guys that you like that you think could be good in the next three or four years, and. and that prime comes on their second, if not third, contract half the time. So, the Dylan Windler thing though has to be a con because he's been a complete bust for a first round pick. The the advertisement coming out of him that he was a knockdown shooter. The guy's is stiff. He can't even fi- he can't even hit the rim. Then it's oh he's never hurt. He's Mister Reliable three and D guy has barely played. For the Cavs. So I have to give Div- Dylan Windler a strike. Then that same draft, you trade up for Kevin Porter Jr., which really, Kobe, geez, that should be in your pros column. That's a great move. Kevin Porter Jr., projected lottery pick. You knew that he was a head case, but then you completely fumbled the rock. You traded him away after a blow up that we're going to get to. So you mishandled the Kevin Porter Jr. situation. Let's just call it that. Let's call it for what it's worth. You mishandled it. So that's in the con section now. So not only did you draft a stiff, then you drafted a really good, potentially really good player and traded him away for nothing. Here's really where things start to pile up for me as as it pertains to Kobe Altman. All the drama internally. I think that's what is ultimately going to bury Kobe Altman as the general manager of this team. And it kind of should All the way dating back from the John Beeline hire, which I know is probably a Dan Gilbert move. Kobe Altman, you're the GM of this team. You need to make a stance and say, no, present alternate opinions, alternate solutions. No, we're not going to hire John Beeline, Dan. That's not a good idea. We're going to hire so-and-so. We're going to hire so-and-so. We're going to just hire Bickerstaff right off rip. You can't just sit there and be a yes man. And, And that's the trap that some of these GMs fall into because of their relationships with Dan Gilbert. That was not good. Then you also had the John Beeline slugs versus thugs thing, when he allegedly called them thugs but meant to say slugs and completely lost the locker room and was fired at the halftime of the All-Star game. (sighs) Don't take me back to that place. When the Cavs didn't have any All-Stars, Kevin Love was probably hurt and pissing me off. And and then the coach gets fired at halftime of the all-star game. So that was a mess. That was a complete organizational mistake. Then last year, you had Kevin Love throwing the ball at Jetty Osman and the on-court on ups. Okay, well, we know that can't happen. We've Literally, history repeated itself, and it happened again this year. So now you're on the record for two different seasons with two different Kevin Love blowups, probably a zillion trade requests and rumors that he leaked to Joe Varden and the rest of the Cleveland media scattered throughout in there. And then you also have the Kevin Porter Jr. thing, the the complete blowup where you, you benched him because you were disciplining him and you were making sure that he was ready for the season in a goofy COVID-19 year and then when he threw a fit cuz you moved his locker to the by the G League scrubs he got really mad and you traded him away and you sent him home you sent him packing and you found a conditional second-round pick, I think ultimately that's what buries Kobe Altman. You can't do that. You have to have control of your organization when you're in a leadership position like that. And to me, at that juncture, in this rebuild process, Kevin Porter Jr. was a guy organizationally that they were high on. They knew that the only thing that Kevin Porter Jr. needed to do to be successful in this league was keep his head on straight. And I so wholeheartedly disagree with how Kobe Altman handled the Kevin Porter Jr. situation. When you have a guy like that, and sports are their safe place, their safe haven. Basketball was that guy's sanctuary, his temple. That's where things were okay, and it was probably like that for him growing up. And you take that away? Just think about that common sense-wise. Say you have a, a child. Who's six, seven years old, going through whatever that stage of life is called, adolescence or whatever, and the kid is acting up really bad at school, at home, but you're finally able to cool him down. You find some remedies, you get him involved in sports, he's playing sports, he's hanging out with friends, the grades are up, there's no drama in the classroom. Would you would you kick your son off the off the sports team? Same thing if you have a daughter acting up, getting in trouble, bad-mouthing parents, bad-mouthing teachers. You get her involved in dance, in theater, in sports. Do you take away dance? Do you take away theater? Same thing with Kevin Porter Jr. I don't know why they did that. He needed to be playing basketball in Cleveland, Ohio. That's when things were all right for him. But Kobe Altman mishandled that situation. So what would you do if you were Dan Gilbert, with Kobe Altman. Are you keeping Kobe or are you firing him? It's time to make some decisions. We have that Twitter poll up right now. I think you got to keep Kobe Altman. I do. I think that we can't continue to do this. And you just heard me read the laundry list of things that of Kobe Altman's shortcomings. And there's plenty of them, you know, but, but how how are we going to keep doing this? Are we going to keep firing coaches and general managers and then trading away probably young promising draft picks to reset the culture? I think Kobe Altman has earned one more jab at this thing. You know, you went 22 and 50, Kobe, in a 72 game season. Next year let's see if we can get close to that play in tournament. Next year, let's see if we could continue to have the arrow point upwards. And Dan Gilbert is a guy that does not like losing. Dan Gilbert is very much a guy that saw this organization when LeBron left the first time, saw no fans in the stands, saw area businesses and restaurants suffering in downtown Cleveland because the Cavs were horrible. The city was a ghost town. And he did not want a repeat of that. And I can't blame him for it. So he was uber aggressive and gave Kevin Love a super max to keep him in town and drafted Colin, who was an aggressive player and made us some coaching splash hires and just literally swinging and missing for the fences at every single pitch. I understand that. And I understand the urge and the desire to win now because the honeymoon phase of 2016 is fading by the season, by the game. But you can't continue to do that. We have some comments before we do take a quick break. Schiesel comments in and says, I say fire him. We could have got something for Kevin Porter Jr. and Andre Drummond. Schiesel, you're probably definitely right about Kevin Porter Jr. or Definitely feel like that was the big one that's mishandled. That could possibly go wrong. Kelly comments in on Twitter, if Kobe could fire Dan or at least tell him to stop Dan Snydering up the franchise. You know, and I do think Dan plays a role in this. I do think he needs to be more hands-off, less meddling in procedures. Kelly, that's a good take. He needs to tell Dan, listen, I am the general manager of the team. I am the appointed one of this organization Go vote on Twitter, at My Take. That poll is up there. If you're Dan Gilbert, what are you doing? You got to make a call. Are you firing this guy? Are you keeping him for next season? We update that Twitter poll straight ahead. Get into some Browns lines. Talk some Cleveland Indians, because what the heck are they doing? Don't miss it. All righty. Welcome on back in Podome My Take. The results are in. If you were running the Cavs, would you fire Kobe Altman? 75% of you guys are saying yes, you would part ways with Cavs general manager Kobe Altman. Only 25% of people are saying no they would retain Kobe Altman. We have a comment tweeted into the show. Illegal Ham sends us as Cavs GM. What has he officially done? Did he trade Kevin Love? Nope. So because of that, yes, I would fire him. I wouldn't have cared if you traded him for a towel boy or a chair because of the blunder that contract has put the Cavs behind for the rebuild of the team legal ham that's that's a good point because that is a move whether it's him whether that was dan gilbert like kelly said i'll put this comment back up you don't know who's pulling the strings there you don't know who's extending kevin love who's hiring john beeline who's bringing back andy verejow on a ridiculous 10-day contract that could be dan so we don't know that that's kobe all I'm thinking is you could only judge Kobe Altman based on what he's done thus far. And what he's done thus far is miss the lottery, hit on miss, miss the playoffs, make the lottery a whole bunch, hit, hit on a few picks, but when he whiffed, he whiffed bad. So what would you do with Kobe Altman? Here's what's rubbing me the wrong way about the entire situation. I should have opened the show with this, is that it's a mystery right now with the Cavs. Where is the guy? I'm looking for answers as a fan and as a media member, and nobody from the organization, not the coach, not the owner, not anybody in the front office, and most importantly, not the general manager, has met with the media, has said a word. And I don't care about that as a journalist or as a media professional with my microphone and with my pen and sit here and click away and write my story. That's not what I'm looking to do here. I'm looking for some answers. As a fan, that's what the media is. The media is the gateway, the mouthpiece from the organization to the fans. What is going on, Kobe? There's 30 other NBA franchises and 29 general managers after the last game of the regular season met with the media. And Kobe Altman is where? Banished to the shadow realm? Why have I not heard from the guy? which you could create all kinds of conspiracy theories that they're working in silence, that they're already preparing for the draft, that free agency is on their mind, whatever. Come on, that's a bunch of hogwash. It takes 30 minutes to answer some questions from reporters. To me, that says, is his future really in jeopardy? We could do as, as fans and as media members vote on my Twitter poll all we want. But at the end of the day, has Dan already made the call? Is Kobe afraid that he's in jeopardy? of his job and he doesn't want to meet with the media based off pure embarrassment alone kev drops a comment on the stream and says dan gilbert is the problem kev i go back and forth on this this one as well because if dan gilbert was truly the problem i don't know that the calves win the 2016 nba finals matter of fact I'll, I'll even walk that statement back i don't think the calves get lebron james back if dan gilbert was the problem dan gilbert had to do something that not that many people on planet earth let alone in sports ownerships would be able to do and that's get on a jet put your pride and your ego and you know what else to the side and go and and meet the guy face-to-face man-to-man and admit that you were wrong and admit that there was a mistake and say that LeBron, we would welcome you back with open arms and have that kind of kumbaya meeting moment erase the bad history of the letter and everything else. I think that takes a lot, and I think opening up the pocketbooks and being able to afford Kyrie on a max, LeBron on a max, Kevin near a max, bring back Tristan Thompson after the finals, Jr. Smith, Diamond Shumpert, the guy was literally willing to do whatever. He was trying to get Paul George in town. He was literally ma- willing to just do whatever to keep LeBron here, to appease LeBron, to make things work just to see a winner in Cleveland. So even though things have gone bad now because he's done some just moronic things and Kev chimes in again and says nobody wants to play for Gilbert, I don't know that that's the case, right? If you, were, I don't know if it's not nobody wants to play for Gilbert. Maybe nobody wants to play in Cleveland because Dan has some deep pocketbooks. If the Cavs somehow draft Cade Cunningham, And not even he's LeBron good, because he's not going to be LeBron good, but he's Zion Williamson good. He's a franchise cornerstone piece that you believe that one day could help you make deep playoff runs and eventually another NBA title. Why wouldn't that guy want to be in Cleveland looking at Dan Gilbert's track record? Looking at the, like, hey, this is a guy, this is an owner that has my best interests in mind. He's willing to pay a lot of money to get my, let's call it, again, for what it is, my homies in here, my friends. Assemble some super teams in Cleveland. Not many small market owners would be willing to do that. I used Zion as the example. I don't even know who the Pelicans owner is. Do you think that that guy is going to be willing to hand out max contracts left and right? No. They're already trying to get rid of, you know, Monzo Ball is about to walk this offseason. They're not going to be able to retain or attract any superstars to New Orleans the same way that we can. And New Orleans probably for these guys are a little bit more attractive place to live than Cleveland, Ohio. It's frustrating right now, but I don't think you could fire Kobe Altman. I don't think you could force dan gilbert to sell the team solely based off of the fact that okay we need to sell the team okay this is something that needs to happen no it's not the, the Cavs have drafted well there's been some good players it's frustrating that's why we're doing this show to sit here and air out all of our grievances as the Cavs season has come to a close you could still vote on that twitter poll at padome my take would you part ways with Cavs gm kobe altman if you were in charge of the team i don't know what's gonna happen to be honest it seems like we're in limbo all we could do is sit here and wait and talk about our plays of the week presented by bigplay.com but before we do that our plays of the week are presented by my guys over at dugout mugs baseball is back The Indians are back. The Indians, they might be good. We're going to talk about them right here. It's time to order you that bat mug. You know what you need to do. Dugout mugs, summer, match made in heaven. Real handcrafted baseball bats, hollowed out, perfect off-season beer mug. I have my dugout mug. You should too. Dugoutmugs.com slash bigplay. If you're new to the show, here's how we do this play of the week segment we have a small play of the week a medium play of the week and a big play of the week small play being a headline that situation that completely missed the mark that got me riled up a medium play of the week something that fell in between of being really bad and really good and the big play of the week something in the world of sports that impressed me let's kick it off here with our small play of the week And that's Paul Dolan. And I know what you're probably saying. You're probably like, Nick, how could it be Paul Dolan? The Indians look okay. The Indians, full disclosure, have exceeded my expectations this year. What? They look good. On nights that they could hit, I don't know who could stop the Cleveland Indians. It's going to be an exciting summer, an exciting push into the fall, ultimately into the postseason. So you're probably like, hey, how could you... Have Paul Dolan as your small play of the week. Paul Dolan and the Cleveland Indians, we know their mantra. We know that they can't afford really anything. So this week, there was some seriously tough news. They told 40 or so of their scouts in their scouting department, did the Cleveland Indians, more or less to pack your stuff and head home. We can't afford you here. It's not that we don't want you. It's just that your job is unstable the way this COVID world is. We don't know that we're going to be able to bring you back. You're free to find employment elsewhere. Um, Hello, red light. That wasn't barely reported on at all. So with that, I quote tweeted it. And I said, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if Cleveland loses the Indians. The stadium lease is up in 2020-20 whoa let's try that again in 2023 the attendance is at a low the overall intrigue in the team seems to be tremendously down since the days of Lindor and Jose Ramirez not a great time probably to be a tribe fan so Paul Dolan could he move the tribe a a new owner could they move the tribe I floated the idea out there on Twitter really as just a throwaway tweet Then some former scout with 12,000 followers quote tweeted it from the Mariners and Astros, I believe, and said that he did not believe that the Indians will be moving out of Cleveland. He said, Nick, you're lack of better term. You're crazy. Don't worry about that. That's not happening. So I've just replied cordially and said, you know, wow, former scout tweeted at me. Thank you so much. Means a lot. Put some of my rests to sleep. Then I got then I got a really strange tweet back. One of the weirdest tweets that I've ever gotten, I'm willing to say, by a by a burner account. It has to be a burner account. Called Avery G. And Avery G said that the Dolans are civic people, that the team is in much better hands with them. Who's to say that they don't care about this the, the city of Civic Cleveland? I'll pull up the exact same tweet here, but it was tremendously defending the Indians. It says stop panicking. There's no evidence whatsoever that the Dolans aren't civic minded. In fact Quite the, the contrary. They have deep roots in the community. The team was in much worse hands under Dick Jacobs. Had he not gotten Gateway done, he would have been gone. So Avery G is just assuming that, okay, the Indians would be gone. So I did a little detective work before I tweeted a funny, more or less. And I was just did tweeted at 180Avery1 and searched into Twitter the word Dolan. And this guy has a lot of tweets, over 12,000 tweets, probably 11,000 of them are him defending the Indians ownership group. Suspicious. Could it be someone from the Indians ownership group? You see what I'm hinting at here. So then when, when I did some detective work, I had to quote tweet this thing. And I said, I'm 90% confident that Paul Dolan tweeted at me yesterday from his burner account. Ben Avery G, who I'm convinced at this point is Paul Dolan, tweets back at me and says, so, so clever, Nick. Can't dumb fans possibly come up with a better rejoinder by now? What? If this guy is not Paul Dolan, I don't know who is. And Homebrew Kev is dropping another comment, says, I don't think you understand the economics of the MLB. Kev, what do you mean? I understand it. I understand the profit sharers and the only, you know, how... That, how the money all works and there's no cap space and that it's difficult for small market teams like us to win. I'm an Indians fan, true and true. I'm one of the biggest Indians apologists, it seems, that exists on social media right now just because of what that – not, not ownership group, but what the front office has been able to do with such limited resources. So I know, you know, people say, well, I don't want Paul Dolan to sell the tribe because look at the guys that he delegates the job to. Mike Chernoff, Chris Antonetti, these guys are baseball geniuses. They it World Series contending teams with nothing. Yeah, exactly. Imagine if we had a billionaire owner that acted like he had a billion dollars and was able to to spend some money. You know, I I understand that economics of the MLB are are a difficult concept and that it's hard for people in small markets like Cleveland and hard for small markets to succeed. But at the same time, come on, dude delight the safety John Johnson the 3rd that the Cleveland Browns just signed this this offseason makes more than the entire tribe payroll that employs Shane Bieber and Jose Ramirez two guys that should probably retire in a Cleveland Indians uniform I just really hope that the Indians could figure this out I don't know for a fact that it was Paul Dolan tweeting at me, but it was super suspicious, suspicious enough for me to use five to 10 minutes of my only hour-long show discussing it. And, And in the bigger picture, not only is it just that, it's the fact that the Indians this year are already so good it's like literally get these general managers, these, these presidents, these baseball operation guys, some resources and some funding so they're able to field competitive teams year in and year out, which they're able to do already, but maybe a bat to get us out over the hump. Huh? How, how fun would that be? Medium play of the week. Let's keep cruising along here, man. Medium play of the week is Major League Baseball as a whole because of this whole unwritten rule thing which is driving me up a wall, for lack of a better term. If you want unwritten rules to be followed, to be preached as law, write them down. So, so if you missed this, and even if you didn't, to summarize what happened, because it's been all the buzz of social media and really of kind of the MLB landscape, Chicago White Sox, Minnesota Twins, two teams in the Tribe's division, Going at it, you know, week-long series, whatever. The White Sox were blowing them out. It's like a 13-run game. Yon Mankata, 3-0 count. Tony La Russa, who is the Chicago White Sox manager, allegedly gives them the red light. Says, hey, Mer- Mancata, don't swing here. Bad for the league. Minkata waved him off, whatever. Maybe he didn't see the sign, maybe he ignored it and he said, you kooky old man, I'm swinging for the fences. I don't know what happened, but he, he hit a home run. He goes yard. And we remember this debate from last season. I did this, literally I had deja vu when this happened because, and when I was writing down these show notes because in my head, I'm like, wait, I literally already did this show. And then I was like, that was a year ago when this happened with Fernando Tatis Jr., if you want these unwritten, stupid rules to be followed, write them down. You know, make it a point in these winter meetings where these owners and executives and baseball PA people and the big wigs get together. Sit down and say, hey, what are we going to do when it's a 14 run game and it's a 3 0 count and there's a position player that is. The fastball couldn't even get a speeding ticket on the highway because it's rifling in there at 55 miles an hour. What are we doing with this rule? To me, baseball suffers for a number of reasons. The big being the, the whole blackout and the schedule and you, you can't see certain games in certain places even when you should. That whole thing is ugly and a mess. But the bigger thing is what's the appeal to Gen Z? What's the appeal to the kids that are my age and younger that are going to be the ones that make or break live sports and live entertainment as we know it? Because why would you watch a three, four hour baseball game when you could see the highlights condensed on a two minute YouTube video tomorrow? That's where baseball struggles in my opinion. Well, why I watch it personally as a fan I want to see the individual performance. I want to see the accolades. When Zach Plesac is going eight strong and hasn't allowed a hit, that's what I'm watching for. When Jose Ramirez is... Bombing dingers to center field against the Angels in the first inning—that's what I'm watching for. I want to see the excitement and the and the big plays. And in baseball, and that's in any sport. Same with football—you want to see the interceptions, you want to see the touchdowns, you want to see the long 50-yard bombs. In basketball, you want to see deep threes from Steph, you want to see dunks from LeBron. Same thing in baseball. What is there exciting to see? People don't want to see base singles where the crowd gives a little we sports golf clap you want to see Fran Mil Reyes take the cover off the damn baseball so when it's a 3-0 count and the Minnesota Twins have a little sister from the poor on the mound that can't even get the ball to 60 miles an hour I want to see Yon Mankata turn on one you don't want him to turn on one if you're the Twins and you're getting mad about that be better get a bullpen. <laughs> Crazy idea. I know. Find a guy that could throw it. Maybe 70, 80. Maybe he doesn't turn it around on a 3-0 count. Baseball kills me with that because I do think that's what will contribute so heavily to their demise is just the guys that are in charge and the old heads like Tony Larusa, who's throwing his own player in Yon Mankata under the bus, and saying that we're gonna take care of that in the family. We don't do that. That's an unwritten rule. And I gave him the sign to not swing. If I was a manager, you know what I would do. And I'm not even I'm not even kidding in the slightest. My favorite team is the Indians. It would be an any Cleveland sport, it would be an honor to work in the organization. To coach them would be a nightmare, because I'm an idiot. But imagine if the Indians called me. And they said, Nick, you need to be our manager for the rest of the season. Terry Francona steps down. Nick Padone, manager of the Cleveland Indians. I would tell every player, when you get the opportunity to hit a home run harder than you've ever hit one before, and if you don't do it, you're cut. You're off the team. That's what fans want to see. That's why you pay money to go to the game. That's why you take time out of busy schedules where you could be with family, friends, doing productive things to watch the games at home because you want to see the excitement. I want to see home runs. Tony La Russa, I don't care if it's 15 to three. I want to see Yon Mankata turning around. That's fun as hell. I want to see bat flips. That's why really Major League Baseball should be my small play of the week. I don't know where I stand on it though, because I get that it's the unwritten rule. I get that it's tradition, but if you want it taken so seriously to the fact that you're going to discipline a player and you say so publicly, write the damn rule down. Even internally, right? Even if it's just a team by team basis, maybe Tony La Russa says at the beginning of the season, listen, on 3-0 counts, when we're up six runs or more, we don't swing. Maybe you could do that. I think that would be a moronic thing to do. I know it's the same thing as like running up the score in football and you're you're not supposed to do that. Kneel down is the classy thing to do. Like basketball, you just pass it around at the end of the game. I want to see homers, man. I want to see fun. I want to see fans getting out of their seats, fireworks popping up over the parking garages. Like, let's go. That's fun. That's why I watch it. So that's my medium play of the week. Let's get into my big play of the week. Because really, a few, maybe even last week, this could have been a small play. And that's the NBA play-in tournament, which is going on right now. Happened last night. Really two kind of clunker of a games. I think this is good for the league, though, and here's why. Adam Silver is my big play of the week. Because this idea, when it was proposed, was cuckoo. It was nuts. It was like... That is the most confusing thing ever. That you're having a play-in tournament. That's not the same thing as a single-elimination tournament. It was the most confusing thing ever. But what is it? What has has it generated? Is much watch must-watch basketball. The first round of the NBA playoffs are traditionally a snooze fest. And this is coming from a guy that watched four consecutive NBA stri- final runs. Really four consecutive years where the Cavs swept their way through the first round against the Detroits and the Atlantas and the Torontos of the world. First round was a joke. It was a yearly cakewalk for the Cavs. And that's usually how the first round goes. Nothing really exciting happens in the first round. We don't look back in the history of the NBA and talk about, damn, remember that first round series? It was a battle between LeBron James and Andre Drummond in the East, the one versus the eight seed. Like... Nobody, it's boring. But what the NBA has done with this play-in tournament is allows that seven through 10 spot to be up for grabs. And it's made must-watch basketball in a season where there has not been any interest around this sport at all. And that's partially due to injuries. But tonight... At 10 o'clock, after working all day today, and after doing this podcast all evening and all night tonight, I'm going to sit down and watch LeBron James and Steph Curry go head to head, watch that game in its entirety. And, and there's going to be buzz around it on social. There was buzz last night, Washington Wizards and Boston Celtics game, the, the Memphis game, and or the Indiana game, rather, even though that one was a clunker, against Charlotte. This is for the best of the league, for the best of the sport, because otherwise nobody would care about the play-in tournament. People wouldn't care about the season ending and going right into the first round because where's the interest? Where's the fun in that? Like, let's literally just spring through this thing and get to the next round, get to the conference finals, get to the championship. Now it's exciting because, okay, tonight... What if the Lakers lose? Then they have to play another one. Then Golden State's in. How does that change the bracket? I like it a lot. And at first it was a wild and exotic idea that a lot of people hated. But to me, it's kind of brought some instant gratification. Like I said, in a year where things didn't matter, it's up for grabs. Could you imagine if the Lakers lose tonight and get bounced again tomorrow? That'll be the thing. That'll be the issue is that everyone will be saying, well, this will never stick because LeBron... Got eliminated. Same same with Steph. Like, Steph, in my opinion, should be the MVP this year. If he goes home, it'll look like a bad move. But for the immediate, for the right now, I'm going to hop off this podcast and go watch this thing. So it's a win for the league because it's a much well, must-watch event. In primetime, at night, on a weeknight, you're going to have eyeballs from all over the globe. And that's a good thing. When you're trying to run a sport... What a crazy hour. I hope you guys had a ton of fun tonight. Thank you to everybody who commented. This was a struggle, man. I did not think my computer was going to act up against me today. I really didn't know how I was going to pull this show off, but I managed to do it, not from the big play studio, from the Nick Cave. Huge thanks to everybody in the comments, everybody who voted on the Twitter poll. Great stuff right there. As always, big thanks, bigplay.com. Get your big play merch. Get your padone my take merch. How about that? Cleveland merch in general. You need some new shirts. You need to get to that ballpark. Store.bigplay.com. Use promo code Padone. That's my last name, Padone, for 15% off your entire purchase with the big play store for bigplay.com. My name is Nick Padone. Thank you guys so much.